Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Here we are, James chapter 1. You turn your Bibles there. We're going to read together James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. It is powerful and effective in our life. It does more than we even see, God. I pray that right now in this place as we are masked up and distanced and all of this stuff, applying rules to our lives just so that we can hear from you in this place today. We are willing to go through the trenches, do whatever it takes to get close to you because we need your glory in our lives. We need your glory, God. Shine your glory on us. Arise and shine, people of God, because your light has come. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's this verse. It says, consider it pure joy, um, brothers and sisters, when you face trials. I've heard this preached my whole entire life. Uh, one of my favorite versions is from my, he's not really my brother-in-law, but he's my sister-in-law's brother. And uh, his name is Jeremiah, pastor of an awesome church in, in Clinton, Iowa. And he, he preached a whole sermon called, Hooray Trouble. Hooray Trouble. Hooray, trouble, right? And how many times are we like that? Usually if we are saying hey or uh, hooray or great or awesome, this is awesome, I love this, it's because we are being sarcastic, right? (laughs) Like something happens like, great, this again, oh my gosh, yes, I love this, and we don't. Right, and so when when James writes, we maybe think that he's a you know a Gen, Gen Xer. He's the most cynical person. He's you know from the cast of Friends, and he's super sarcastic like Chandler. Maybe he's he's from Saturday Night Live, and he's like consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And that's not what James is actually saying. What James is saying is that you get to consider all of your trials, all of your temptations, all of your struggles as pure joy. Consider it pure joy. It seems stupid. It seems stupid. Have you ever had somebody that like, when you finally just let it out, like this is what's going on. And they're like, you know what? It's really not that bad. And you want to hit them in the face and let them know how bad it is. You know what I mean? Anybody like that? Okay. You got that one person who's like, who's like positive all the time. Any, any positive people in the room? You consider, you know, accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. Hey, and you're like, shut up. Right? It's like, when I, got, I got one friend's like, uh, you know, like, like, she thinks that everything is like, you just need to get outside, you know? You just need to get outside. It's like, no, I don't want to get outside. Every time we go outside, I get eaten up by bugs. I get sunburnt, right? You get like, I, my eyes start watering. It's like, like I, you know, stuff is like flying in my eyes. I'm sweating. I hate sweating. I smell nasty. It's like, you just need to get outside and do what? Do what outside, right? You get another person that's like, you know what you need? You need to get around some kids, you know? You got troubles. You need to get around some kids. Like, no, the kids are my troubles, you know? Like, I just need to get away from the kids to get away from my troubles. You know, like, 
You need to just bury yourself in some work and find some, some purpose. And if you can work harder, then all of your troubles will go away. Like, no, it won't go away. Like, and, 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 and we want to live in this place of reality of like, this is the struggle I live in. And then there's the tension of, is like, am I supposed to be super positive? Am I supposed to be super negative? Am I supposed to tell you everything is going to be all right? Am I supposed to like, you know, just come to reality? It's like, for, for instance, like if you're 400 pounds and you're like, you know what, it's fine. I'm going to be skinny one day. You're not. Unless you go, you know what, I'm 400 pounds. Something's got to change, right? If you're dead broke and you're like, you know what? It's fine. I'm going to keep stopping my McDonald's every single meal. You're not going to be a millionaire. You have to kind of face the facts of reality. The positive can't eliminate the negative. It just can't. So what is James saying when he says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And we, we take this verse, we take, you know, the, the whole positive, negative thing, and I want to be around some positive people, whatever. And, and it, it doesn't give us an action plan. It doesn't give us steps forward. It doesn't make the problems go away. It doesn't make our lives better. It just makes us oblivious. Oblivious to the reality of what's really going on. So James can't be preaching some kind of positivity over negativity, hooray kind of message. He can't be. He can't be. As a matter of fact, as Pastor pointed out, he's like, here we have the church. It's the diaspora. It's been scattered everywhere. And, and we have the New Testament church. As a matter of fact, they are, they are getting killed all around. They're being persecuted on every side. And you think wearing a mask is persecution. You think not being able to send your kids back to school, please get them out of here, is persecution. It's not. Diaspora, they're, they're, they're scattered abroad to many different places. They are no longer a people. They're, they're, they're not uh, solidified. They're not together. They're not strengthened by their unity. As a matter of fact, everywhere they go, and still almost to this day, Jews are hated almost everywhere they go. It's like this diaspora has lasted, and James is like, hey, I know you got some tough times out there. I know it's hard. He's like, but positivity over negativity is not going to do it. I need you to consider it pure joy. That sounds stupid. It's like to everybody everywhere, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, consider it pure joy. Pure joy. Pure joy. Like I'm supposed to like be happy. I'm supposed to, like, you know, get it worked up. Maybe he means I'm supposed to go to the beach. Like, for those that don't know, I go to the beach a lot. I don't even live near water. I go to the beach a lot. And, and you know, so the, the beach will never, ever bring you happiness. It won't. It won't. Digging your toes in the sand and posting a picture about how you're never coming home is never, ever going to make you happy. It won't. Going to the mountains enough will not make you happy. Having enough vacation will not make you happy. Having enough money will not make you happy. It will not make your troubles or your trials go away. And as a matter of fact, what James is saying here is that Jesus won't even make your troubles go away. He says, instead, consider it pure joy when you face these trials. So what does that mean? Consider is a weird word because we just like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to consider this joy. And so what we do is we go, if I have troubles, what I have to do then is I have to e equate them to joy. Like, wow, this is awesome. 
this is great, this is wonderful, and then we feel like Christianity is some kind of big lie. And I know I have people, friends all over the, the, the rest of the world, that they're like, you know what, I tried Christianity and then I found it all to be fake. It's like just this way to deal with your problems. It's like be positive when everything is negative. You know, blah, 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 blah. Jesus is awesome. All my problems are gone. Isn't that amazing? And they can't reckon with it because what they think is that when I consider it pure joy, what I'm doing is I'm saying, all of these things are actually joy. But if you've ever gone through a trial, if you've ever gone through hard times, if you've ever been able to not get up because you're laying on your bed staring at the ceiling, wondering how your life will ever work out because you're facing something that nobody even understands in your soul, and you go, I'm supposed to consider this pure joy. It just equals joy. I don't want this Jesus thing. But that's not what James is saying. What he's actually saying is consider it. Consider it pure joy. Not it equals pure joy. Consider it pure joy. The word consider there is hard to translate into English because we don't really have one word that can do it. But if you look at its meaning, what what James is saying, he says, is I want you to steer. Consider is to steer. consider this. I can steer it. I can look to. I can decide what I want it to be. Another word for consider is to think. If you throw those together, what James is saying is, I want you to steer your thoughts towards joy. Towards joy. And so, like I said, like you can't you can't find joy in an ocean. I mean, I, I like the ocean. I like to reflect. As a matter of fact, every time I go to the ocean in, in California, I, I I build an altar. Most people don't know that, but I, I take rocks and I build an altar and I I literally pray and just have a and I don't pray like dear Jesus and I have conversations with God. I build this altar and then and then I bring a stone home from every altar and then they get kind of on my desk at home, and there's a bunch of mail and a bunch of rocks, and then, you know, what are these rocks doing here? This is February 2019. This one is March 2020. This one is, these are the times that I steered my thoughts. I considered. See, this ocean will never be enough, but if I can consider the things I'm going through, Pure joy. What is pure joy? Joy is inward delight. Now think about that for a minute. Inward delight. I was watching this. Uh, there's a, a mountain climbing movie called Free Solo where this guy climbs up El Capitan in Yosemite with no ropes, no nothing. Okay, and everybody's like, this guy's going to die. Like, his girlfriend's like, no, please don't do it. And he's like, look, I just wouldn't tell anybody, and I would just go do it. He's like, I have to do it. I have to do this thing. I have to conquer this thing. I think about it. And one day he gets up there, and he starts climbing, and he's like, nope, I can't do it. And he comes back down just because it doesn't feel right. Months later, he tries it again. Right? And they're like, he just took off. All the camera crews like, he just took off. He's going. We got to get out here now because he's going. He was in his zone. He climbed the whole thing in three hours. And he gets to the very top. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, I need to call my girlfriend. And, uh, and they're, they're filming him. He's like, I'm just so delighted. He's like, just like zoned out. Like, I'm just so delighted. 
And he, like, calls his girlfriend, and, and she's like, hey, you did it. I'm so proud. He's like, yeah, I'm really delighted. It's the only thing he can say. Because delight is not I'm happy, I'm excited, whatever. It's something that you can't explain. It's a wholeness that comes from the inside. You can't drink enough. You can't sleep with enough people. You can't be to enough oceans. You can't go on enough vacations. You can't make enough money. You can't raise enough kids. You can't see them all the way through graduation to have inward delight. Inward delight comes from something different, and that's what joy is. And so when I consider it pure joy, I'm steering my thoughts, my thinking towards inward delight. Like, well, that still sounds like the same thing, Brandon. Like, you just saying be happy. Like, you know, it's like some people get, you know, they lose their inward delight when the Chiefs don't win. It's thankfully, you know, the whole world shut down, and so we've just got to be good for the whole year. But it's going to start back up, and some of you guys are going to lose your inward delight when Mahomes doesn't make all the passes you said he could make last year. And all of us, at some point in our life, lose on some basis. And so where is your inward delight? It's when you're overchecked because something came out you didn't see. You thought you were all on on your finances. And then, like, ah, oh, man, I've lost my inward delight. The tax bill comes back, and instead of $200, it's $800. And you're like, what the heck? And they're like, you didn't pay for last year. He's like, I thought I paid last year. I lost my inward delight. Things don't go the way you want them to. Your kids are supposed to be, they were so good in sixth grade. Now they're freshmen. Right? And you've lost your inward delight. Right? Your inward delight is not based on outward circumstances. It's something that comes from the inside. And so I often talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes on the inside, and he begins to fill things from inward to outward. You have to let it work itself outward. If it doesn't work itself outward, you will always be the person who loses your joy and your happiness based from outward circumstances. But what James is trying to tell you, he's saying, if you'll steer your thoughts towards this inward delight, then it will work itself out into all things. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, but Brandon, I don't feel joy. Well, that's because you aren't attached to the right source. You're attached to an outward source, and God wants you to be attached to an inward source. This is what God says in Second Chronicles. Check this out. First, first Chronicles. My bad. There it is. Splendor and majesty are before him. He's talking about God. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Now, this is talking about God, and we're like, you know, God is majestic, and he's the king, and it's, it's, I mean, he's up there, and his strength is his, and power is his, and, and you think about all these great and awesome things that God is, and that he can do anything, whatever, and like, out of all the words that they can tack in there, they slap, like, wham, joy. That in other words, as God is sitting on his throne, joy fills his presence, C.S. Lewis once said this, joy is the serious business of heaven. Of all the things that heaven can be concerned about, it is a joy that comes from inward dwelling, working itself outward, and it overflows into you. So when strength and joy are in God's dwelling place, when you get to heaven, it's going to be so joyful, and it's not just like a party. It is the inward fullness that you cannot explain. 
I don't think that God is sitting up on the throne and anything surprises him. I don't think that anything gets past him. I don't think he's like, oh, you know, didn't see that coming. I told everybody in January that 2020 was going to be their year. I told every pastor to tell them, this is going to be your year. This is going to be your year. Touch your neighbor and say, it's going to be your year. This is my year. This is my year. And they go, oh, man, I told all my people. And now, I didn't see this coming. No. As a matter of fact, he has power, strength, and he has joy. The Bible says it's a treasure. Joy is a treasure. It's something that sits there and just rests, and it creates value. All right, think about that. I mean, like, talking about like Scrooge McDuck kind of joy. I just keep it there, and I go swimming in it when I want to kind of joy. I just, it's, it's there. It, it appreciates over time. I don't have to spend it. I don't have to flaunt it. I don't do anything with it. All I have to do is know that I possess this joy. So when James is saying, consider it, he's saying, steer your mind back to that. That here is the God of all creation, and he is sitting in joy. Even now, your mind, your heart, are swirling around the fact that you can't have pure joy. You're starting to figure out every nook and cranny and thing in your life. And like, yeah, but this, I have to. And as a matter of fact, the enemy is bringing up things in your life right now going, yeah, but this area, you can't have joy. This area, you got to work on that. You, you can't, whatever, whatever Brandon's talking about is a bunch of bull. Whatever Brandon is saying is actually not true because look at your life. Look at what you have to face. Look at what you're going through. Look at all of these things. And James is saying, I know. The trials don't go away, but the pure joy is there to consider, if you will. If you will. Strength and joy are his. The rest of the verse says, or James, says, consider it pure joy in your face, trials of many kinds, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. Let patience, endurance, perseverance, this holding on, put forth its perfect work so that you can be mature, lacking nothing. That's a long process. It's clouded in a bunch of words, but let me get this right. If I face trials of many kinds, it works endurance in me. It works perseverance in me. How? Most of us look at it and go, well, you know what? If, if I'm just joyful, then I get good at being joyful even when all of the crap hits the fan. And if I do that long enough, then I can be the positive person. I'll be that crazy lady at work. Positive all the time. Positive, positive, positive. And everything goes to crap. And I'll be over there singing this song. And everybody will think I'm one of those Christian fanatics that even when the world is on fire, I have nothing to offer, all I have are lifeless words. But he says, when you will consider, steer your life towards this inward joy that God has, the inward joy that God has, what is, it will produce in you endurance. My friend Dustin's here. My mom, you come and everybody preaches about you. Dustin's here. And a few years ago, 
maybe five or six years, maybe longer than that, maybe like 10 years ago. Man, it's been so long. Um, Dustin's like, I'm going to run marathons. Dustin was a chubby dude. He looks all fine and sexy and, and attractive now, but he was a chubby dude, right? Like all of us, when we hit like 32, he's like, you know, and I don't know how this happened. I used to be like a, you know, an athlete, and now I'm like chubby. He decided he wanted to run. So he starts running, and he would post like, you know, I post, I, I ran one mile today, two miles today, three miles today. And it's like, here's the deal, dude. Running is stupid, okay? It's the stupidest thing on the planet. But for some reason, some people start running, and they don't stop. They just keep going, keep going, going. Because what happens is, is because of the pressure against, it gets addicting because you see that you're enduring something grueling, but something else is coming up on the inside of you. Pretty soon, Dustin's like, I ran 13 miles today. And then he's like, I'm going to run a marathon. Like, I ran 26.2 miles today. And trust me, like, like Dustin, he, has, he had some cancer a little bit ago. And uh, he had treatments and all that stuff, and he hasn't felt all that good. Um, but he's, he's, he's conquered cancer, and we, he came out and said, pray for me, all that stuff. And he was believing full of faith, and he was going to do what he was going to do, and God was going to do what God could do. And together, they just whipped cancer. It's true. But I, I guarantee you that he would attest to this. Every mile that he put down, pushing against the adversities that came against him set him up to be mature enough to handle that cancer. Am I right, Dustin? And so in your life, we want little adversities and little trials to go away, but they're setting you up. What are they setting you up for? Setting you up for the opportunity to trust the inward delight that comes from the throne of heaven in the face of every adversity, in the face of every trial, in the face of everything. But you have to learn how to consider it, how to steer your thoughts to who God is and can be in every circumstance. He says, he says if, if, if you'll let those things work on you, grind on you, push you. What happens is, is you'll find as you consider that you have more strength, that heaven is behind you. Heaven is surrounding you in every circumstance. And there's nothing that can come against you. I think that sounds like a verse I've heard before. I think that sounds like something that Paul has said before, that we're more than conquerors. I think he said, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph, I think the word of God says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, but most of us are yielding to the outward force instead of considering and letting the, the faith of God, the joy of God, the supply of God rise up in our lives to face every trial and adverse. He says, if you'll do that, if you'll, if, if you'll see every trial, it, it will work in you something that you have not seen yet. Something that will take the impossible and make it possible. Something that will take trials that will crush everyone else, but for some reason you can stand. How? I just consider it pure joy. You mean like you just laugh at it? Laugh in the face of danger? Ha, 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 ha. No, Simba. As a matter of fact, you have to laugh because you're filled with the supply that this world cannot even touch. It is the dwelling place of the Most High. 
So, let patience put forth its perfect work so that you can be mature. Now, for I always when I think about stuff like this, I think of you, Jaden, because you're mouthy. Uh, when you want to be, you're really quiet, and then you can be mouthy. You know, like it's like you come on, woo, glory. I'm feeling this sermon today. It's like grow up. Like to, like you would say this to somebody, like, grow up. Like be more mature. You're so immature, right? But that kind of maturity is not what matters. It's 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 maturity. It's it's not like growing up to be like everybody else. Like I've decided that like I've in assessing my life, it's like, my life's just unconventional. I don't think I can, I can really accept it any other way. My life is unconventional. White picket fences and, you know, gold Cadillacs and a perfect 401k are just not in my future. It's unconventional. And God has been preparing me for that for forever. But the average person thinks that maturity is all of these lists of things that you have to do to become a functioning adult. And all the adults in the room are like, you know what, I haven't even figured out what functioning adult is. Right? Unconventional. So what's mature mean? Does it mean that you grew up and that you, like, I've often said that high school never ends. Most people just live a perpetuating cycle of high school, and they live it with adults, and they live it at their work, and they go to the retirement community. If you've spent any time in a retirement community, <laughs> those old people are crazy, man. But, uh, but they, they're like just like high school. My, I go visit my aunt, and she gives, she gives me all the gossip, and I was like, this is like ninth grade all over again. So what is maturity? Maturity. And then I, I started to look into it and what God really meant there, and and. And if you, all of us have something about maturity that we have in our life, it's this. If you have a loan, you have a maturity date. What is a maturity date? It's not like when you grow up. It's like when it's done, right? If you got a home loan, you're going all the way to here, and you're like, eh, you know what today is? The day it's all due. Well, I don't have the money. Well, it doesn't matter. It's your maturity date. What's the maturity date? It's the day that you owe nothing more. It's a day that everything is completely full. There's no more debt. It's absolutely finished. So when God, in this verse, says, if you'll let these trials rub up against you, if you'll let these trials face you, and you'll learn to consider me and my supply enough, it will work in you perseverance. That perseverance, that endurance will work in you maturity. It'll work in you a place where there is no more deficit. But you work from a zero-based accounting standpoint. That, wow, I don't have any deficiency. Mature. And he just, he tags, he's like, you'll be mature. Not like you grew up. You'll be mature, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing? Look at my life. I mean, I, I, I seem to be lacking some stuff. I mean, like, I need a new roof. Can't afford it. Right? They came around, like, hey, we think you got some, some damage up on the roof. Like, we think we can 
fix that for you. It's like, well, wait, wait, like, you mean like a deductible and then you'll fix it or like, you know, fix it all? Well, it'd be a deductible. Like, nah, bro, you got you to gotta roll. I don't, I don't have a deductible. <laughs> right? It's like, but you can look at it. It looks up there. It's like, yeah, there's some hail damage, but it's just, it's just damaged. <laughs> like, it's been there a while. Like, I need a new roof, right? And you're like, I, I have some deficiencies here. Some of you think the same way about your life. Like, I want to be able to grow into the person who's patient. But I got some deficiencies. I want to be a better parent. But I got some deficiencies. Why can't I get it together and lead my kids like Susie? I want to be a better spouse. But I can't figure it out. For some reason, I just, I keep scheming. Ugh. Deficiency. He says, if you'll learn how to trust in my supply, what happens is you'll be mature, lacking nothing. So when I consider, I'm turning back to a place that is a surplus in the face of things that are deficient. Surplus in the face of things that are deficient. And most of us have this one little phrase that we actually like to, to say quite a bit. It's, I can't. It used to be attached to a whole sentence. You know, I, I just can't go on anymore. I can't deal with this. I can't. Now, now we, just, we just look at something and we just go, I can't. And people go, ha, 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 isn't that great? She can't. I know. I can't either. And we're like a bunch of quacking seagulls going, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's like, oh, you know, I, I, was, I was at the beach. I was at the beach in Laguna Beach, one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. I'm with Josh, and I walk past this lady, and she has a shirt on. She's at the beach. Southern California, the most perfect weather in all the world. She's shopping, she's the kids, and she has a shirt on that says, I can't adult today. I, I wanted to stop her. Excuse me, ma'am. If you can't adult here in this moment, you can't adult at all. You can't adult? You're killing adulting. And most of us have no idea what it is that we're, when we face something, we're like, you know, I can't. I just can't. I just can't. And it's like, over here is this supply that's in heaven. It's the joy. It's the dwelling place of God. And if we could just get a glimpse of all that was available to us, it would be better than Laguna Beach. It would be better than the most wonderful paradise. It would be better than Bora Bora. It would be better than your trip to Italy. It would be better than all of the things that you think are so wonderful. If you could just look in the face of temptation and trials and say, yeah. Come on over here. I got something that needs you. Considering it pure joy. Purity of joy. Inward dwelling that cannot be squashed by any circumstances. And the world will not understand it. They do not get it. Because what you are doing is you are saying, these meager circumstances have nothing against my God. The average person in church today, 
if they're even in church today. They're living a life of mediocrity. When I say about mediocrity, mediocrity is that it's just even keel. And then they want something to happen. You know, and I decided a little while ago that I was going to travel the world. So I was telling my friend yesterday, I said, in 2017, I told God I would go anywhere. He's taken me all over the world just in like three years. It's crazy what a yes will do. And everybody goes, Brandon, well, your life is so amazing. You're like, Africa twice, Italy once, Belize. You know, you've been to Israel. You go to all these places. You go to California 19 times a year. You go to, you know, you just went to Florida. Your brother lives in Florida. You can fly down there for $50 and just sleep on his couch and, and do whatever you want. I mean, your life is amazing. But let me tell you this. Your life is amazing. Your little vacations, your night out with friends, your dinner, your going to baseball games, your everything is just amazing. It's things that happen. They bring you joy. But for some reason, you forgot they bring you joy. You forgot how to say thank you to them. You forgot how to consider in the face of every adversity all the things in your life that are straight from the throne room of heaven. Let me just, let me just get real with you. I go home and sleep in bed by myself. I consider myself the most loving person on the planet. And some of you go home and you lay next to a person who you're trying to decide if you can even love them. And they're a warm person who loves you and cares for you every single day. And you want to let stupid, dare I say, horse crap come between you about stuff. You're holding things between spouses and it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Today's the only day I'll tell you that. Because I think you'll receive it. But whatever it is, you go home and squash it. Stop that. And stop blaming the trials of your life that everyone faces on your spouse or your children when you have all of heaven backing you. Stop it. I'm sick of hearing about people like, well, this is this. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Come sleep in my bed. I'll let you have it. Everything you're facing is minuscule compared to the greatness of God. But our mediocrity here is I have to wake up in the morning and go to work, and that's just regular. It's routine. I wish I was back in here. I wish we had this again. I wish we were traveling again. I wish all the kids were home again. I wish, I wish, I wish all of these heights and you're living at mediocrity. And every day you have the option to live with a mediocrity mindset or realize that all of heaven is with you. A certain house I drive by, it's just, it's just down the block from Ray's Diner. And you go and you take a left and you go back up and it's this white house that has pink flowers hanging from the top of it. You might know what I'm talking about downtown Arizona. It's the most beautiful house in all the world. Why? Because of the flowers. And if you adorn your life with the flowers of heaven, 
you'll walk out every day and say, this is beautiful. This is amazing. I know it needs a roof, but look at this. This is God's supply to my life. This is more than enough. It's, it's, it's considering it pure joy in the face of every trial and temptation. It's like, yeah, but Brandon, I, I, you, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't you know what I've been through. You don't know the trauma I've been through. You don't know the addiction I face. You don't know my hangups. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what they've done to me. You tr- trust me, I don't, I don't care. And neither does heaven because heaven has a, an account that can cover all of it. He says, and if you'll go through enough of those trials, trust me, you'll start to see that something inside of heaven is backing you up. If you'll consider it, if you'll just consider it, if you'll just consider it. Hebrews, the writer says, if you'll just consider Jesus, if you just consider Jesus, consider Jesus. You haven't even shed your blood to the point of that kind of suffering. Consider Jesus. There's nothing, nothing standing in front of you that can't be undone by the joy of heaven. There's nothing that can't be conquered by the joy of heaven. And so all the Bible is trying to get this, uh, this message to you. It's like, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph, that you're more than a conqueror. Why? Because it's him. It's the throne room. The joy of heaven is flowing to you. So yeah. Yeah, we're pressed on every side. We got, we got problems. We got some stuff. and close your eyes. There's more than enough. There's more than enough. You've been living every day trying to figure out how you're going to make it. How's it what's going to happen? I don't know if I just, I just can't anymore. I can't. I can't stop saying that. I'm starting to say stuff. I don't know if we have enough love to make it. You do. I don't know if, you know, we just don't have anything in common anymore got to stir up that stuff. I don't know. You know what they did to me? I don't care what they did to you. You know what you did to Jesus? Forgive them. Keep moving forward. I don't know. I just don't think it's possible. Yeah, all things are possible to them who believes according to the power, the joy of heaven at work in us. Consider it. Consider it. Just lift your hands where you are. Heavenly Father, we thank you.
Father, we thank you for the grace of God that draws us to repentance. The repentance is changing our mind and flowing towards you. We laugh in the face of danger. We lack at not enough. We lack at more. We, we, we laugh at mourning. We laugh at depression and anxiety. We laugh in the face of every pain and every hurt that wants to tell us a story about the trial when in fact we have all of heaven backing us. I pray right now for the grace of God to flood over us. It's the power of heaven alive in us. In Jesus' name, empower your people. And I pray you change their mind. Let them submit to a greater power and supply than they've ever known. The joy of heaven. Do more in us, God, than we ever thought possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for letting me tell the story of Jesus to you. He's greater than you've ever known. I pray that you trust him like never before. If you're here today, maybe you say that, I don't know that I've ever really decided I want to be a Jesus follower like that. I think my, my grandma knew Jesus and I, I knew the Bible stories, or maybe not at all. You just believe in some kind of higher power. There's a relationship with God that is deeper than where you're at. And it begins, the Bible says, just by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he was. He'll forgive you of your sins and that you can have a life where you follow after him. You get to be life partners. That his favor follows you wherever you go. And you live at a higher level just because of that power that's working in you. You hear this story that I'm telling about trials and temptations and supply. And you're like, I wish I knew what that was like. Today's your day. You can start. So I'm here today and you say, Brandon, I want to I wanna become that kind of Jesus follower. Just lift your hand where you are. I'm going to lead you in a short prayer. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. Awesome. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. It's a simple prayer that says this. Repeat after me. Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow after you. Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow after you. That is just the beginning of a relationship that you're going to cultivate over the rest of your life. You go home, you start talking to God just like he's in the room. People look at you funny, but don't worry about that. God does it. And it's a place where you can begin what God always designed you to be, which is a child of God. Thanks so much for being here. And uh, just give God a big praise today.